Whatever it is you want to do in life, you'll be able to do. It's always you versus you. That it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, you can achieve anything that you set your mind to. Spend the rest of your natural life waking up and going after it. This is my purpose, and you will not stop me. You are listening to Mojo Sports. Yeah, hello and welcome to Mojo Sports, the NFL show, episode 19. My name is Dan Frost, and as always, I'm supported by the best panel in the business. Tonight, we've got a full house. We've got Alex, we've got Beck, and we've got Stacey. And the question I've got for you guys off the top is, well, you know, not everything is going according to plan across the league, and there are a few teams under pressure. And when that happens, uh, all roads lead back to the quarterback. So the question I've got for you guys is, which quarterback is currently under pressure and which which quarterback is under threat. I'm going to go to Alex. Take it away. Yeah, there's there's been a lot of, like, quarterback injuries in the last couple weeks, right? Like, more than we're kind of used to, I think, in the NFL. Um, But for me, it's got to be Jimmy G. Like, I feel like he's just kind of had, again, another season with another injury. He's got a young quarterback sitting behind him. Like, his days are numbered with the 49ers, which is sad to say, right, for any quarterback. But, you know, like, if he leaves the 49ers, like, who's going to take him? Like, they don't really want, like, another Andy Dalton situation, you know? So, <laughs> had to throw the Bears in there. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, you know, so I-, I would be concerned. But, I mean, if Trey Lance does a lot of learning to do, so I don't think he he needs to be concerned just yet. I think he'll go back in the starting role when he's, when he's fixed. But I would be concerned about – what his season looks like after this one, because I don't know a team that is going to want to pick him up. Yeah, no, look, I think that's a fair call because with Jimmy G, we just expected him to hold in for a little bit longer. I mean, injuries, you know, always Jimmy's thing, but, you know, it would have been good for him to, you know, potentially see out the full season there in San Fran. Um, and then, you know, that, that, that would have benefited Trey as well. But, um, you know, that doesn't look likely. Look, for me, uh, a quarterback who's on the chopping block and under a lot of pressure is Tua Tungvaloa. Uh, for my, the Miami Dolphins. Again, I'm an Alabama supporter, love Tua, think he's a lot of talent, but how times change. You know, just a short time ago, there was tanking for Tua. There were teams that were actively losing games to get this guy. This guy was the next biggest thing, but, you know, a couple of serious injuries with that devastating hip injury. Um, you know, things are not going his way in Miami, and, you know, there are a few trade rumors in and around Deshaun Watson. So for me, I think Tua, he has got to do something spectacular uh, you know, to finish off this season. Otherwise, I think those um, those media reports will continue. Uh, Beck, what about yourself? Um, it's not all roses in the NFL. Uh, which quarterback do you think is on the chopping block at the moment? Definitely not. I think it's the most pressured position to hold when you have it. And I think um, over at the Saints that Jameis Winston's days may be numbered just because of how inconsistent he is. Um, also, I don't think the Saints picked him up as their franchise quarterback, I think they picked him up as a placeholder for hopefully um, them to get some good position in the draft or the next couple of drafts and pick up that next quarterback to fill in that spot. So, yeah, Jameis Winston might be looking for another team. And Stace, what about yourself? Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of funny. You know, the other podcast um, that we had a couple of weeks ago, I, I mentioned that, uh, you know, Big Ben was one of the veteran players in the game. Now, I've got a little bit of a history of cursing quarterbacks, and that's a completely another story. But I'm worried about his arm. Um, I'm just, I'm not sure what treatment he's getting, but whatever he's getting, he needs to keep it up. I mean, he went from having almost four weeks without throwing anything for really over 15 passing per attempt 
um, to bawling out in week five with some bombs. And, uh, you know, he's, I just don't know if he's done, done, like overdue for the pasture kind of done, or can he get through the season? And the question is, if you can't get through the season, then who's, who's going to step up and take over at that Steelers organization. So yeah, Ben Roethlisberger for me is someone that we need to watch because unfortunately I, I feel like it could be his last season for rightly or wrongly. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our first segment tonight, the huddle. Leave no regrets out there. That is what a real champion is made of. And for the Philadelphia Eagles, the long drought is over. How about those trees? A touchdown and a title for the Patriots. I can't believe it. They have completed the greatest comeback in Super Bowl history. Those will be the best memories. Yeah, and this week we're going to Wisconsin where the Green Bay Packers are going to be our team that we're going to feature this week. Now, Alex, you know, when I think about Green Bay, I actually think about how lucky they are to go from one historic quarterback in Brett Favre to just stumbling across quite a, a, well, another handy quarterback. I mean, again, this is my New England bias coming through and me continuing to mourn after Tom Brady left us. But again, it's not normal uh, and, and, and it's something pretty special. But what it's actually meant is... You know, for such a small town franchise, you know, it, it's just meant decades upon decades of success for uh, for Green Bay. Yeah, it does. And I'm sorry to hear you say that you think of, of Green Bay and the Packers. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have a lot of history for, for sure. I mean, this was definitely an episode where I, I definitely wanted to be sick for as a Chicago Bears fan. It, it's really hard to sit here and talk about the Packers, but I'll, I'll get through it on muster. Um, yeah, as you said, right, they go from Brett Favre, who was a great quarterback for them for so many years, and then to kind of have Aaron Rodgers, you know, a little, little quarterback sitting behind him waiting for his turn, and then he steps up, and now he's been, you know, that, that, that franchise quarterback for a while now and kind of a thorn in Chicago's side, if you will. And, Beck, uh, you know, let's jump into Aaron for a second because it's an interesting situation with Aaron because – you know, we may not have ever seen a player throw the football as well as Aaron Rodgers. I mean, technically, you know, he has gifts that, you know, only some quarterbacks could only dream of. But, you know, at the end of the day, he he hasn't quite had the success as some of the other greats. I mean, you know, we spoke about Tom Brady. Obviously, he's setting setting a quite a high standard there. But, you know, where where is Aaron Rodgers at in terms of all-time greats? Because, you know, you, you, you see his play week in, week out. He carries his franchise, but, you know, he probably doesn't have as many Super Bowls as, you know, a guy with his talent really should. Yeah, it's interesting that you say, like, that his stats don't necessarily or his, um, you know, accomplishments in the league don't necessarily represent him as a player. But I think anyone who follows football or watches it and stuff like that knows that he's a household name, regardless of, you know, what um, accomplishments he's made. He's... A franchise quarterback, like he's been the Green Bay Packers for as long as I've been watching. And when I think of the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is the first person that comes to mind. Yeah, and he's definitely cementing himself into into kind of like that Hall of Fame kind of status. I mean, he just threw his 422nd touchdown, which makes him the fifth in the NFL, you know, this um, this past weekend or a few weekends ago. Um, so... You know, he's, he's looking pretty good. He's on track to be kind of, I think, a very established, a very successful quarterback for the Green Bay Packers. And, and 
in a long line of very successful quarterbacks for, for, for a franchise. Alex, talk us through it. Who was right? Who was wrong? How did we end up here? Because all reports are suggesting, and I, I probably believe this myself, that this could be and probably is Aaron Rodgers' last year there in Green Bay. Yeah, it, it, I, I'm with you on that one. I think he's definitely – this is his last year. I think he's kind of his breaking point with Green Bay. And we've had it for the last two years, right? We've had the same kind of conversation and story going into the league going, is Aaron Rodgers leaving? Is he going to get traded? You know, there's talks that he wants to – we talked about this the other day, Daniel and I, about him potentially going to the Steelers, you know, and that being a trade for them. And I think part of that might have come with his respect for Matt LaFleur. I think there's a little bit of a kind of like a standoff between the two of them when Matt LaFleur came in. Maybe Rodgers didn't think he was experienced enough. I mean, you go from Mike McCarthy, who's kind of this old school, great coach who was with the franchise for 13 years, was in the back half of that Brett Favre era, era came in when Rodgers started and had the heyday for, for Rodgers. So, you know, there's a lot of trust that Rodgers had with Mike McCarthy because he grew up with 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 Mike McCarthy. And now Lafleur's kind of come in. He's a bit of a young gun, a bit of a hot shot, and they're kind of close to age. And I think there's this little bit of a standoff between the two of them. And I think one of them had to back down and go, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do what you say. And Matt Lafleur wasn't going to do that. And I think Aaron has kind of gone, hey, I deserve some respect in the team that I want around me. You know, and rightly so. We've seen Brady do it, and he's been successful in that in that regard with the Bucks, where he's gone – I know what I want around me. I know the personnel around me. Trust me. And I don't think that Green Bay have given that trust nor respect, as much as it pains me to say, to Aaron Rodgers, which he rightly deserves for doing what he's done at Green Bay. Yeah. And, and Becca, I, I guess one of the things that Stace mentioned earlier was about, you know, th- th- there would be such a great narrative if Aaron Rodgers was able to win in his last year in there in Green Bay. The question I've got for you is, can he do it? You know, he's got... You know, uh, he's got an absolute uh, outstanding talent in terms of uh, Devontae Adams there in wide receiver. He's found himself a talented running back there in Aaron, Aaron Jones. There, there, there is a bit of a um, there is a bit of a sense that the Packers are on the verge of something, but you know, it, it, it's not an easy situation for them because in the NFC, there's just a lot of competition at the moment. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how the rest of the season plays out for this team. I mean, they did have that one rough start against the Saints in the very first week um, with their defense not really showing up. But I think, um, you know, the last four games that they've played, they've played pretty consistently. And like you said, Aaron Rodgers and his arm talent and his ability to just place the ball in the right spot at the right time for his receivers. And it's showing with Devontae Adams in the great receiver that he is and the receptions that he's making. I think he had 206 receiving yards in the last game alone, which is just insane. Yeah, 100%, right? When Green Bay kind of has a total of 440-something yards, for Devontae Adams to have half, almost half of that is insane. But what I like about Rodgers is when you watch him play is in certain plays you kind of look and go, he's looking downfield. He's looking downfield. He's not going to make that play downfield. And all of a sudden, he just lets loose this pass. And you just kind of watch it sail in the air. And for some reason, somehow, Devontae Adams comes up with a catch. And it's just like one of those big plays. And he just kind of walks off the field like, yeah, I meant to do that. And I was like, did you? Like, did you re- Like, is that really kind of what you meant to do? Or is that just kind of like Aaron Rodgers being Aaron Rodgers? What I do like this year, right, is – he's kind of coming off like a big season, right? MVP last year. So there's a lot of pressure to kind of repeat that role. And I think 
he's kind of gone, you know what, like, I've had MVP, what, three or four times now. Like, I really don't need to repeat it. Like, I'm good. I'm still going to go out there. I'm still going to up, put up the numbers. And I think he was spot on after week one when he was like, guys, it's week one. Like, let's relax. Like, they had a new defensive coordinator who signed on in 2021, which when you think about that, and that's his first game, you know, officiating and making the calls, it makes sense why the defense probably struggled the way they did. But what I love this year is and again this was another thorn for Chicago is that relationship between Randall Cobb and Aaron Rodgers because they had a great relationship before he left Green Bay and I think this was a signing that Rodgers kind of went either he made a phone call or he said something to somebody in the front office he said hey I trust this guy get him back because he's been consistently their third down go-to guy the past couple weeks what I really like about Rodgers too is just the way he carries himself. He's very calm and poised, but he's also competitive and aggressive at the right times, right? Like you said, going to Randall Cobb because he knows that he's going to get the ball on that third down. I just, I think that if he continues to play like this for the rest of the season with the same kind of chip on his shoulder, aggression to win games and stuff like that, he could hopefully potentially get the Super Bowl rather than the MVP because I'm sure he'd rather settle for a Super Bowl than an MVP any day. Yeah, and this is an offense that was ranked first last year. You know, they've always kind of been ranked in the top 10 as far as their offense goes. And they've just been that team that's like consistently puts up wins. They consistently get high ranks as far as their offenses go, their passing goes. I mean, their run has never been kind of a strong suit for theirs. I don't think they've really needed it because Aaron has his arm. So like when you've got an arm and receivers, you don't always need to focus on the run game. Um, but well, also like did, when you talk- they did when they had, you know, um, Eddie Lacey, you know, they used to run that, like that big back set, which I thought was pretty handy for them, which is, I think something that they're kind of lacking at the moment, although they did just pick up, um, one of the big, big running back guys. I think we spoke about him earlier. Um, that's kind of added a little bit, but that, yeah. that, you know, that big back mentality is definitely something they need. Yeah. And it, and it adds like another kind of layer to their offense, but you know, it's, it's something that they can kind of take or leave, if you will, right? Like when it's there, it's in, it makes an impact for sure. And it's kind of like their defense, right? Their defense doesn't have – has never been like – when you think top defenses, you don't always think Green Bay. When you think consistent defenses, you you think Green Bay because they've kind of – they've done the job, they've stopped the runs, they've stopped when they need to over the last couple of years because they have Aaron Rodgers, they have the offense that they do. They don't really need to spend the money on their defense really to get these big names to make big plays because consistently they've just always been a decent side to play against as far as defense goes. Yeah, I think they're an interesting team to look at. And I think part of the frustration for Aaron Rodgers is looking over at Tom Brady to see what's happening over at the Bucks, because, you know, Tom Brady, he doesn't have just one toy. He has about six or seven. And and that's and I and I think for Aaron Rodgers that's been a frustrate that's been a frustration and I think it it has been something that he's accepted you know clearly the franchise has said to him well you know you've got the offense you know you you can take care of that we'll we'll just get you you know a few Jimmy and Joes from down at the local Seven Eleven and you, you can figure that 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 side of things out um, you know Devontae Adams uh, you know he's something someone that's pretty special but I guess when it comes to the draft the Packers have just. They've gone defense each and every year. So that's where I'm a little bit critical of Green Bay is, yes, they have they do have their moments on defense and they are quite consistent. But for me, given given the cost, you know, the draft cost there in Green Bay, I, I'd expect them to be absolutely elite. 
because you know every time you're drafting some of these these top quality defenders you know you're you're sort of forgoing an opportunity to give Aaron Rodgers another toy and you know we can see what what he can do uh, with someone with a little bit of talent so for me you know I I don't tend to agree with exactly how Green Bay have built their team over the years but um, yeah you know it, he still he still definitely makes the most out of it yeah and I think players definitely play so much better when they are happy in generally what they're doing and they're loving what they're doing and the people around them too like it's not just what they're doing but also the people that they're supported by which also um, makes me question that is this situation happening at Green Bay because of the ownership because they are a you know owned by the town and not an actual owner does that face challenges in situations in terms of you know um, Aaron Rodgers wanting to you know make decisions and core plays and things like that? Or is it just an issue that could happen anywhere? I mean, you know, and the Green Bay Packers have, you know, they I think they're the only professional sport in the world that is constituent owned, you know, so it's for the people, by the people. So, you know, in where, those situations when you don't have someone that's put the money in to own their place, it must be hard to figure out how that boardroom must work. Um, so I think that the issues are definitely with Rogers and the GM. Um, but I think also too, that like in terms of how they're going to go for the rest of the season, like just for this year, there's still some work that still needs to be done. Like I was watching, you know, when I was watching them versus the Bengals, it was like, there was no sort of, there was no pressure on boroughs, you know, from, from their D line. And, and I'm really concerned about that, especially coming up with the, the weird kind of schedule they've got coming up over the next couple of weeks. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, let's jump into our predictions now because it's uh, yeah, it's certainly, it's certainly going to be an interesting, interesting one. I'm, I'm going to jump straight in. Uh, look, the, the Green Bay win 13 games each and every year without breaking a sweat. So for me, I'm going to add a win just because of the hot start that they've been on. So for me, I think they're going to win 14 games uh, this season and all off the back of Aaron Rodgers as he continues to just put the finishing touches on his legacy there at Green Bay. Uh, Beck, what about yourself? What's your predicted record for Green Bay? I think I'm going to stick with the average and go 13 to four. 13 and four, like they have a pretty interesting schedule coming up. They have a couple of teams that are going to challenge them, but then I think they have a pretty cruisy schedule with a couple of games in there as well. So it'll tell how they come up against, you know, these questionable games. And if they get over the line, I think they'll finish 13 and four at the top of their division. Now, Alex, I know that you would like to see the Packers go out and not win another game for the remainder of the season. So um, we'll we'll put that on record. But, uh, yeah, what are you sort of predicting for your arch rivals? Um, I'm going to be nice and go 13 and 4 just because consistently, you know, they've done okay. You know, they take losses, they bounce back. Um, Yeah, and – Unfortunately, they could come out top of the NFC North. I really don't want them to see that Ain't happen. You? you can see it but, on your face. Yeah, I know. It's really painful to say or, and think about. And, um, and Stace, what, yeah. about, Stace, what about yourself? That that's uh, painful for Alex. But uh, yeah, what what about what about yourself? What what are you thinking? It's not so painful for me, which is kind of nice. Um, you know, I'm I'm just looking at their schedule, and I mean, I think. The only the only teams that I think could challenge um, challenge Green Bay at the moment is probably the Cardinals and probably I want to say Minnesota just because of the the rivalry. 
Like, that's a big rivalry. It's at the back end of their season. So if we're going with that, then we're going to go three losses, 14 wins. All right, guys, well, let's jump into our next segment now, the match. The most anticipated match in history, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, let's get ready to rumble! Yeah, and Alex, I'm going to throw this one straight at you because, yes, we talk about the quarterbacks, we talk about the receivers, we talk about the running backs, but... I guess this game wouldn't be the game that we love without those big guys in the middle. And today we're going to give them a little bit of love and attention. We're going to go straight to some of the two best offensive guards in the NFL, Quinton Nelson and Zach Martin. Uh, yeah, talk to, us, talk to us a little bit about these two because they have a bit of a similar upbringing in terms of some of their college experience. But again, you know, take us back to some of the basics because, you know, without these guys, not much else functions on offense. Yeah, definitely. I feel like these are these are the guys that kind of like, hold the glue of the O-line together, you know, like they're kind of, they're big, pardon the pun, they're big parts of the O-line, right? And like physically and like actually part of the, like is part of their job, right? Like, I mean, you look at Quinn Nelson. I mean, he's 6'5", he's 330 pounds. Like he's a big guy, right? Like if I was sitting behind him as a quarterback, I would not want him like backing up into my space. Like that's just a no-go whatsoever. I'd be like, you have it. I'm bailing. Like I'm getting out of here because that's a big guy coming at you. Um, He came out of Notre Dame. Um, What I think is really interesting about Quinton Nelson was that he was part of that trade to the Jets, like Jets and the Colts trade they did for um, Sam Donald at the time in 2018. And I think, if you look at who came off better, I'd say the Colts did, you know, because Sam Donald, no longer there. The Jets struggled with him for sure. And I think, you know, Quinn Nelson's in a pro in a much better program with the Colts who actually can support him on his O-line, whereas I don't think the Jets were ever going to be able to do that. Yeah, I think playing O-line is so underrated in the league and around talking about NFL. So it's definitely fun to put a bit of a highlight on the O-line and recognize the amount of work that goes into playing that position and the skills that it, you know, that it takes to be good at that position. And Quinton Nelson is definitely, you know, one of the top players that you look at when you look at the O-line and who you want to be blocking for you. Yeah, definitely. It definitely comes down to to being more than just a big guy, right? Like that, that interior guard position on the O-line is actually really hard. Um, generally the O-line has one of the steepest like learning curves in any position in the NFL, just because you get faced with so many different looks, kind of so many different people, um, kind of different body types, different speeds. And to have to, you have to be a complete lineman to be great at this position. And by complete, complete, you have to be big. You have to be super strong. Your footwork has to be fast. You have to have a, a high football IQ. And the key is that you have to be a little bit nasty down there in the trenches and that's kind of what I like about both of these O-line and uh, you know again Beck Alex and I have all you know sat behind offensive lines in our past and we cannot give these guys enough thanks I tell you that much because without you guys anyone who plays O-line position we don't want to get squished thank you so much for doing this but these two are, are the best best in the business yeah and he's only had 14 like when you look at his penalties right he's only been in the league for about four years right he's had 14 holding calls throughout that entire four years right he's only had four false starts and when you kind of look at the the penalties that were thrown recently last couple weeks in the NFL a lot of them are false starts right I feel like that's that's 
becoming a little bit more common now, maybe because the O-lines are getting a little bit younger and they're just kind of learning that maybe, I don't know. I mean, he's been a two pro bowl. So he's 2018 NFL rookie team, you know, coming into 2021, like the Colts were ranked probably the second best O-line in the league now, not so much. Um, you know, it's just with struggles, but he's probably one of the best offensive line in the league. You know, he's ranked top three guard in each of his NFL seasons. He can make every block in the run game and he's been graded about 81.8 or better every year that he's played. So that's a pretty solid ranking to be giving a a guard, you know? So he's consistently, you know, making the blocks that count, holding off players from his, you know, quarterback, but, you know, then again, you kind of look, they have allowed 39 quarterback hits and 10 quarterback sacks. So they're currently ranked 21. So coming in second and now dropping to 21, like you wonder who else isn't like really su- supporting him. Because when I you mean, watch they, him play, they like had, they had Philip, they had Philip Rivers last year and you, 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 they had to not be able to hit that guy because otherwise he wouldn't get back up again. Like, you know, let's be honest. There was a reason why Quentin Nelson was put on the Colts O-line to protect Philip Rivers. Yeah, no. Let, let's have a let's have a bit of a look at his uh, competitor. But, but before we do, Alex, really good points around. You know, he he just seems to have the full package there, Quinton Nelson, because you know he's got the technique, he's got the discipline, but he is well. You know, once he's out there in the middle, he's got that aggression because you know you see some of these YouTube highlights where there are these big explosive impact plays where players are getting pancaked. It's a little bit different the types of players that Quinton is embarrassing week in, week out. So uh, for those that haven't uh, seen his highlights, jump on jump on YouTube and check it out because he is, uh, he, he is some sort of athlete. All right, guys, well, let's jump over to his competitors tonight, which is Zach Martin, who obviously plays for America's team there in the Dallas Cowboys. Alex, straight to you. You get a little bit of a sense that, you know, the Cowboys had built an historically great offensive line, but... Again, they just weren't at that win-now stage. You know, they sort of had a young quarterback coming through. It just didn't sort of line up. So I guess some of the concern around Zach Martin is, you know, were the Cowboys going to waste his talent? Because, you know, this is this guy's going to go down as one of the greats. But, um, you know, again, doesn't quite have the wins that he probably should have on his CV just because of, you know, where he landed and the situation there in Dallas. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, <sighs> He is a six-time Pro Bowl. He's been in the you know league eight, eight years. He also came out of Notre Dame. So you know both these guys are, have a lot of similarities and, and comparisons. I just want to point out they're both first-round picks. You know Zach Martin was picked 16th, whereas Quinton was picked six, and that's pretty high for a guard in the NFL draft. But I, I'm like with Dallas when you look at that O line, I think they've definitely improved it this year for sure. But I think it was for a couple years. It was just something that just was kind of a dread for Cowboys fans, you know, and you kind of, you you watched it last year when they would just like collapse over and over and over and over again. And you wonder what's going on with someone like Zach Martin, who is a solid package of guard, you know, and he's been paid pretty well for it. You know, he's, he, they signed him to a six year, 84 million contract extension. So clearly Dallas sees his worth, but for me, I think, it's been a little bit of a struggle to find those missing pieces with him and within that O-line. And I think they've, they've had glimpses of it this year, you know, and I think there's still moments where they really need to work on it for sure. Just because it, 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 from my opinion, especially when you've got Dak behind you, who's 
got all the metal he does in his ankle and has gone through all those injuries, you don't want people getting through to him. Now we know Dak will move out of the way, but I think they just, they've been able to bolster it a little bit more so that it relieves some of the pressure off Zach Martin. Yeah, and you, you think, you know, you, you look back on it, I think health's been a big thing for Dallas. You know, they built that great O-line, paid everyone, uh, but, you know, they just were unable to sort of get everyone uh, healthy and, and unable to keep everyone on, on the on the puck. But, Beck, I, I guess one of the great things about Zach is he was able to hold in there and and sort of show and, and sort of stand out and say, yes, we haven't had, I guess, team success. But as an individual, I am a superstar. And, 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 I, and I guess one of the things that I wanted to highlight with you was – and we spoke about this earlier, is just the room that he creates for those running backs. And you've got to wonder, yes, Zeke Elliott is an amazing talent. He came out of college and was an absolute superstar. But, you know, maybe you do have to give a little bit of credit to Zach because, you know, he's creating so much space. And, you know, we're starting to see a lot of that this year with their running game. 100%. Like we see so many running games not be established because they don't have good O-lines. So as a running back, yeah, you might be a great running back, but you have to put a lot of your faith into your O-line blocking for you and opening up those gaps and making you look good. So um, when you have someone like Zach Martin in front of you, you know, pancaking D linemen and opening up blocks and, you know, reaching out to linebackers to create those gaps for you, you are so thankful and happy as a running back because he does it so well. And I think too, like, um, you know, I don't think there's any better complete kind of lineman than Zach Martin. And and he's kind of set the standard since like 2014, right? But what impresses me most about him is that he can shift around on the positions of the O-line. Like his versatility, if like in case of injury or something like that, like last year he stepped into right tackle, um, you know, so it, it goes to show that he's definitely still up there and he's still got some some definite value on any O-line, you know, just from a, a veteran standpoint. I agree. And, and so they've, they've only allowed 18 quarterbacks hit, quarterback hits and seven sacks, right? And this Dallas O-line is ranked third right now. So so he's doing something right, and they're doing something right. So props to Zach Martin. Let's just hope that he can stay healthy and, and keep creating those gaps for, for Zeke. All right, guys, it's time to pick our winner of the match, and we, we do not make it uh, easy for ourselves because, yeah, they, these are two of the best in the game. And, look, if you get a superstar offensive lineman, you just pay them. It's one of the easiest decisions in the NFL, and, uh, you know, they, these are these are two high-quality players. Uh, Beck, going to go straight to you. Difficult one, Quinton or Zach, uh, where are you going here? Yeah, this is a super tough one because I feel like they're very similar players and they show, you know, a lot of great aspects in terms of what you want your O-line to do and be in that position. Um, So it's kind of like, do you pick the guy with the most experience in his eight years, you know, the big tough guy um, behind, you know, a great O-line that he has around him, the young guy who's still coming through and making plays and a big name for himself? Um, I think... I'm going to go with the vet on this one and I'm going to pick Zach Martin. I think he just, um, he's consistently been good. And, you know, when the O-line wasn't so good, he was still good and, you know, kind of supporting the other guys around him. So, yeah. Zach Martin. Yeah, well, Jerry Jones would like to hear that because uh, to Alex's earlier point, he's got a pretty expensive quarterback back there that he's trying to protect. So, uh, yeah, I think Jerry thanks you for that pick. Uh, Stace, what about yourself? Yeah, I'm going to have to go with Beck. You know, I think, I I don't think that you can, I mean, right now I'm going with Zach Martin. I mean, there's no question, but um, Quentin Nelson has got such a high, a crazy high ceiling. So it's like, it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up. And if he overtakes Zach Martin at some point, I'm sure that he probably will. But right now it's Zach Martin. 
Yeah, look, for me, just to be a little bit different, I'm going Quinton, uh, and only because it just takes you back to draft day, and it happens every year where all of the fans are so excited for their new wide receiver or their big flashy player, and then you go and draft a guy like Quinton Nelson, and you know, whilst the fans hate it, these are the picks that I love because Quinton Nelson, he's going to dominate this league uh, well over, you know, for, for about for a, for a decade, you know. So for me, I think the Colts got a, got a lot of value um, out of Quinton. I think he is pretty special. He's got youth on his side. So for me, yeah, I'm going to go with uh, I'm going to go with Quinton. Uh, Alex, finish us off. Um, for me, this is a tough one because as Beck and say said, they're both very similar players and they both kind of bring a lot. And I think Zach is kind of like what you know, is leading the way for Quinton, if you will. So it's, he's kind of like paid in the path, you know. But for me, I've got to go with Quinton Nelson just because I think he has a lot of potential. I think Zach Martin, you know, he he's getting up there in age. You know, he is the vet. He's still good. And I think they've built an all-line around him that's that's solid. Um, but I, I'm, I'm going to go with Quinton Nelson just because I think he's got a high ceiling. He can do a lot kind of moving forward. I would like to see him in a different – offensive scheme I don't think the Colts is the right spot for him and I would like to see him maybe move to a team like Dallas maybe a team that has a little bit more experience on their O-line because I think the like the rest of the O-line for the Colts is probably maybe letting him down just a little bit um so that would be my probably one criticism but I've got to go with Quentin Nelson he can come to Seattle anytime you want (laughs) we'll take him he goes to Chicago too All right, guys, let's jump into our final segment tonight, Rapid Fire. And we're going to talk all about that and a whole bunch of other things. What you need to know tonight. Sincere apologies to Matt Damon. We ran out of time for him tonight. We'll get him on the air again soon. Oh, my boss is saying closing time. Maybe that's what you're doing. Yeah, and this week on Rapid Fire, the question that we have for the panel is what first-year coach has surprised you so far? Look, I'm, I'm going to jump in there and start. Uh, it's Arthur Smith uh, for the Atlanta Falcons. They are a horrifically bad franchise, and it's hard to believe given that they were only in the Super Bowl not so long ago, but they have been absolutely terrible. And for me, you know, I just felt like that was a really dangerous hire. Not so much that I don't believe in Arthur. I think he does have a little bit of talent, but... It was just, there was a lot there. You lose Julio Jones, Matt Ryan hasn't been consistent, hasn't been performing, but there is some signs there that Arthur, you know, he's starting to make a little bit of an impact on there. I think think me and Arthur are on the same page. We both know it's time to move on from Matt, um, you know, over the next, you know, well, hopefully sooner rather than later. And I think, you know, if he can sort of line himself up with a quality quarterback, I think we can see more out of him. So for me, Arthur Smith has been a little bit surprising, bad franchise, but I think they do have a little bit of a talented coach there. Uh, Beck, what about yourself? Has anyone caught your eye so far? I mean, someone has caught my eye, probably not in a good way, but, you know, Urban Meyer shocking us all this week or the last couple of weeks, but not just, you know, with the controversy outside of football, um, but also like, his losing record, like he went through college, you know, not losing kind of at all. I think like how many games did he lose in college? One or two, like it's not a high number. And then to come in and lose four games straight, like I don't think anyone was expecting him to come in, pick Trevor Lawrence and lose. So yeah, interesting to see what's happening over there at the Jags with Urban Mike. So surprised you for the, for the wrong reason. Alex, what about yourself? 
that's the downside, right? With new coaches is that it's always kind of the like lower leagues that have that opening position. So uh, tough for urban look for me, Nick Sirianni for the Eagles, you know, I, maybe not the best team for him, but again, a team that's kind of like struggled a little bit since their Super Bowl win, you know, with, with the changing of the guard at quarterback with, you know, the issues with kind of Zach Ertz and what he was going to do and kind of other players and team, I think there was maybe a little too much like chit chat going into the season for the Eagles and they've done well and they've played well. I mean, Nick Sirianni came from being, you know, the Indianapolis Colts offensive coordinator for the first, like for three years prior. Right. And this was someone that, you know, we just talked about him. Quentin Nelson achieved his first time all pro bowl, you know, nomination under Nick Sirianni. So clearly he knows what he's doing as far as kind of O-lines and offenses, you know, he's got some great accolades, you know, when he was there, um, who was the quarterback? Andrew Luck was named, was named, you know, comeback player of the year. Um, so he, he does know what he's doing. Yeah. I just think Eagles are kind of doing like they're on a roller coaster right now. And I think he's, he's had really good moments and he's also had some really bad moments. Um, I like to see a little bit more consistency, but I think that comes down to personnel. And I think Devontae Smith was a great kind of pick for them, but I'd like to see a few more tools in the repertoire because I think they need to kind of get rid of those Super Bowl people that played because that team's kind of gone now and they need to kind of bring in some fresh faces. And I think Nick Sirianni is kind of the top of that, bringing in that new coach and he can start that. So I think give him another year and I think he, he, he watch out because Eagles might, might be a good team in a year or so. Yeah, and I, I think they've gone the right way about that rebuild. I think he won a few points getting rid of Carson Wentz, you know, with a lot of his injury concerns, that phenomenal contract. You know, he's got Jalen Hurts, who's an absolute battler uh, there on a rookie contract, not costing anything. So, um, yeah, I think he's building, rebuilding that the right way. Um, Stace, what about yourself? I think that Brandon Staley has probably got to be the world's most fortunate first-year head coach. I mean, he's beginning his year with this talented roster that's stacked with a young quarterback that's on fire, um, you know, all pro defenses and Joey Bosa, Derman James. Um, and, and one could think that he could almost rest on his laurels, but Brandon Staley is the real deal. And, um, you know, coaches around the league are struggling to figure out what to do with his minimal run philosophy right? Like they don't run often. Their running back is a more often a receiver than anything else. And, and that's not due to a no lack of running game. It's, it's due to this offensive multiple, you know, formation, aggressive pass kind of uh, offense. Thanks to Joe Lombardi, who's come in as a, an OC, um, you know, defensively, he, you know, he got the Rams to where they were as a defense last year and he's picked up exactly where he's left off, but the culture that he's creating at that charges or, um, organization is is something that we haven't seen for a long long time so he's definitely surprised me with how like well versed he is for such a young dude like I think he's only 38 something like that one of the youngest head coaches so um yeah Brendan Staley charges is it too early to say charges for Super Bowl all right, guys. Well, that's all the time we have. Just want to thank my amazing panel, always bringing the heat as we talk all things NFL. And to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed uh, the episode. Uh, if you did, please download the episode. Find us on social media. We're available on all platforms. And until next week, we'll see you then.